Welcome to Beautifully Vulnerable, a podcast series hosted by Melissa Panero. The purpose of this podcast is to help highly sensitive creative entrepreneurs turn their vulnerabilities into their strengths. Please sit down, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to a new episode of Beautifully Vulnerable. Today I have with me Suzanne Hine from America. She is a spirituality teacher and she creates beautiful and very deep, sensitive online courses. I have met her through Instagram and also Pinterest, I guess. She just creates these beautiful um, images and beautiful articles where she shares a lot about her soul journey and how to feel more and live a more authentic and wholehearted life. So she's really the perfect fit for this podcast. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for being here. I'm really happy to, to have you on my podcast. Um, would you like to tell us a bit more about who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, so I am, <laughs> that's just an open-ended question. Like, who are you? Like, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, it's funny because for so long, um, you know, um, for so long I was kind of like trying to, uh, find my life purpose. And I think, um, it's, so it's just interesting that you asked me that because the first thing I think that used to come to mind would have been my job description. But more recently, you know, I've kind of realized that a lot of times, you know, we, uh, people work to heal themselves and then find work or whatever that feels purposeful. And then we kind of get wrapped up in this work as, um, defining who we are. But um, that definition becomes so limiting. And once you are really trying to make, you know, create something real on this earthly plane, um, you know, it's really challenging. Um, it's not like, you know, follow your bliss and doors open where there were once walls. In my experience, it's not it at all. It's, it can be very difficult. And if you do define yourself by your work, then um, it really sets you up for a rough time, which I'm kind of just coming out of right now. So who, who am I? I'm a woman, I'm a wife, um, I'm a mom to a dog. <laughs> um, you know, I'm a survivor, um, a writer, and I share my journey online and create, um, like you said in your beautiful introduction, you know, really amazing, deep, beautiful courses that teach people how to do like self-study at home. Mm. Well, no one ever said that. So I really appreciate your bringing that up, how you're not willing to define yourself by what you do, but just by, by who you are more than anything, which is, which is what we are all learning to do, right? To peel off those layers of this is who I am, this is who I am, I am not. Because defining ourselves is the number one way that uh, we keep us small, in a way. 
Yeah, identity is so limiting. And I feel like when I was just starting my journey, part of my initial healing was removing the identity that I thought my life should be. You know, I thought I was going to be a successful newspaper reporter. I thought I was going to live in a specific place. And when my life didn't turn out like that, it caused a great deal of suffering. And so the first layer, you know, of healing was really removing that identity and accepting who I was. And then in that space, I created a new identity. But I feel like as soon as we break into one new area of existence, there's already new boundaries in front of us. It feels it's like you break through, have a spacious room, but then eventually you're right up against your new boundary and have to break through that again. So it's just this like cycle that keeps keeps going. Mm. <laughs> yeah it's almost like when you learn something and you you come to a point where you're like oh I'm really at peace I've learned so much and this is the the highest I could go and then you realize um it's just the beginning and you start it over and over again Yeah, exactly. And that's why I love your mission, you know, just speaking so authentically and why I try and speak authentically. I just feel like it's so important to be honest about what the spiritual path is. You know, like to me, I feel like there's no other way. It's like once you are aware, you can't go back to sleep, but it's not like a life is perfect or life is always peaceful. And every time I do have struggles, the more I put myself out there as a spiritual teacher, the more I kind of have a struggle about sharing my struggles. But it, I just, it makes me, even as much as I talk about how, you know, the journey goes, it's still, there's still a part of me that makes me feel less than or makes me feel like I struggle more than other people or having these struggles doesn't equip me to, you know, it makes me a less worthy teacher. Um, but, but I think that's just life. I just think, you know, nothing is ever perfect. And, and I really, it, it pains me to see people, especially online, portraying that idea that you can get to a place where life is just always peaceful. It's just not, it's just not how it is. Mm. Yeah. And it's so important that you're saying that um, struggle and not being perfect is part of our journeys as spiritual teachers, coaches, whatever we are. Because often what we see on Instagram and on social media is these people having the perfect life. But that's not, that's just not the truth. We're giving a, a wrong message if we're trying to say that. While it's so important that someone has the balls to say, okay, this is my life. This is the dark, this is the light, this is why I'm whole. And that's just so brave, so, so brave. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, actually, just the other night on Instagram, or I don't know where I saw it, maybe on Facebook, but uh, oh, I had actually never heard of her, but she was a really well-known um, like teacher. And I, I won't say her name. I'm not sure why she died, but I saw that there was a rumor that, um, that she killed herself, actually. And it, it really doesn't surprise me, you know, because um, there's such like a heavy heavy burden for people to be perfect. And it was really interesting because she was a really powerful, powerful teacher. I watched a video of hers and it was like the, what my life is really like. And she talked about what a transformational leader she was. And then she went on to talk about how she'd helped someone heal and took on so much of their pain and it caused her so much pain. And I saw so much of my journey reflected in that and made me really grateful that I saw that video when I did 
because I'm so early on my journey, because I think a lot of times healers set out to be like a martyr. Like there's like you heal yourself and then, and then you feel this like responsibility for healing other people. But that responsibility comes from like still a place of woundedness, right? Still a place of unworthiness. Like I'm responsible for the world and I'm a cancer survivor. It's been seven years. And that was something like that I really learned during cancer. Like if I die, like the world will go on without me. Like there's so much suffering in the world that I didn't create that suffering and it's not my fault and it's not my responsibility to heal. And, and that was really the turning point of like when I stopped being so like empathic, like realizing like I don't need to take on other people's pain. Like it's safe for me to be happy even if other people are not. I'm kind of rambling all over the place here, but um. But I just think it's like a lot of sensitive people kind of like take that badge on as like a pride. But I, a lot of times I feel like it comes from like a deep place of, of not feeling worthy. Enough. Mm. Well, that's something I've been struggling with as well. Like taking responsibility for others pe- other people's emotions and feelings and pain. And I know rationally that that's not my duty that's not what I'm here for I'm here to be the light and to support but never to to even think that I can make someone happy or make someone I don't know unhappy that's what I what I choose to to put out um is my choice but what other people choose to see is their choice you're absolutely right we are not responsible for other people's suffering, for the world's suffering. We're not responsible to take over that burden. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so um, um, do you want to tell us a bit about how you got into your inner journey? What is it that broke you open? Yeah, it was really cancer. Um, I had, well, so my... I've always been kind of spiritual and um so uh when I was when I was 14 my uh dad died and then the next year my sister actually she killed herself and then I was um my family was not very emotive and uh emotions were kind of viewed as weak my mom got really depressed and just kind of hid in her room and so I was very isolated and alone and went into a deep depression and, of course, um, you know, saw psychiatrists and things and they were always like, oh, take this pill. <laughs> uh, never mind that my soul was injured and hurting. So I always believed in my own capacity to heal. And no matter what doctor told me the lie that my brain was not functioning correctly, I refused to believe it. And so I did take pills like at one point in my life, um, very briefly, but for the most part, I really kind of, um, resisted that, but I never really fully healed. It was more kind of like I achieved a state of like, like everything was okay, but like, it wasn't really okay. So I was then, um, years later when I was 27, I got cancer and I really believe that all of those years of like repressed emotion kind of contributed to that. I do have like a genetic um, mutation that contributed to it. But so 
And then after that, I was so angry. And it was funny because after my dad and sister died, everyone was always like, oh, you're so strong. You're so strong. Because that was like my mantra. I wanted to appear to the world strong and cold and never hurt. And then after cancer, I was so, oh my God, I just couldn't deal. It was the worst, most traumatic experience of my life. And I was so angry. I was like, I would like take pillows and just like bang them against walls and scream in my car, not cry. I couldn't stop crying for like days. And so like I had no choice but to feel. And <laughs> no one told me, oh, Suzanne, you're so strong. But for the first time in my life, I was like, I feel this and I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't care uh, what the world thinks of me. Like, I, I feel and um, so in that feeling of, of unrepressible emotion, um, I learned to deal with my emotions. And I, um, so that kind of, that's what broke me open, essentially, life. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. So much wisdom and so much power and courage in what you're saying. Um can I ask you what this cancer represented to you while you were living it and what it represents to you now? Well, so I mentioned that I've always been kind of spiritual. So <laughs> I maybe this is like a weird thing to say, but when I was first diagnosed, of course, I was devastated. But there was a part of me that I've always had like a strong spirit. And there was a part of me that was like, this is going to be a spiritual journey. And it's going to be the greatest spiritual journey of my life, not in like a fun way, but in like a wow, this is transformative stuff, kind of a way. Um, and then I lost that really quickly, because it was just I mean, there's just no words for cancer. I was completely traumatized. And what it means now is that I always say that cancer could have killed me. And in a way it did, it killed the old me, the old me who was, um, you know, it just brought me to life in a lot of ways. You know, it, it showed me how to live, how to embrace my emotions. It showed me how to accept how I feel and not try and paint an image for the world. Um, it showed me, it showed me that, you know, I'd always been acquainted with death from a young age, but I think there's a different sort of, like, once you face that, like, people talk about being afraid to, like, follow their dreams and stuff, but, like, once you face something like that, it's, like, I'm not afraid of anything because I know that I'm going to die one day. We all are. So, really, the only true fear is not living and not doing what you want and, and dying, like, feeling immense regret that you didn't unlock the gifts within you and going forward I think that that is I've been talking about emotions a lot but going forward I think I want that to be a bigger part of my of my mission like I've been really like gentle and kind of my messages but there's this like inner fierceness because I was so brittle for so long after cancer I mean it took years I mean years just two years ago even so five years after cancer I was immensely brittle and broken and so it's taken a long time and now my inner fierceness is finally coming back now seven years later and I want to incorporate some of that in my in my messaging and you know really encourage people like you know that kind of tough love like look you know this is your life you got to live it. Mm, I love that that uh, words inner fierceness beautiful what what does it mean to you to be to have that inner fierceness? Oh I love that question. <laughs> Um, 
fierceness. It's like, you know, a commitment to do you no matter what. I mean, not from like, uh, you know, railroading over other people, but like, like we were saying earlier in the call, like we're not responsibility for other people's happiness, sadness, whatever. Like, obviously we want to show up in the world kindly, but you know, I feel like too many people put too much stock in, in what other people think and it stops them from doing what they really want to do. So there's that kind of fierceness. There's the fierceness of like setting boundaries. There's the fierceness of not only saying what you believe, but how you want to say it. Like I've been so afraid to like kind of do that tough love and speak in a certain way, speak in a powerful way. Like, I don't know, because I guess there's still that wounded part of me. Like I want people to like me. But, you know, the more fierce and um, steady within myself, it's like the less that I care because the people who do like me will, you know, like me that much more. And if I'm not your cup of tea, then that's fine, too. It's like the price of not being fully yourself is just too high to pay. So there's that fierceness of just like really owning your truth and saying, you know, how you want to say it. Wow. <laughs> owning your truth. That's yeah. amazing. I love that. So um, I read one one of your articles that I that I love that hit me, and it was about how chakras and emotions are connected. So would you like to tell us a bit about um, what chakras are for those of for those that don't know, and how this connection happens? Yeah. So chakras are basically energy centers along the spine. So we're everything in the universe is energy, humans are energy, emotions are energy, like everything, even things that are physical that are like, um, seem to be solid matter, actually most, it's mostly space, right? So in our bodies, we have these seven energy centers along the spine. The spine is actually, well, physically it's, you know, a collection of bones, but energetically there's a, there's a channel that runs up and down the spine and it's called the shishumna. And this energy is then organized subsequently in energy centers along the spine. So, you know, they start um, at the base of the spine and then rise up. And it's basically just a way that energy is organized and even bigger than energy. It's a way that consciousness is organized. So chakra just basically means spinning wheel. So you have these spinning wheels of energy up along and they each represent something different, um, but they all kind of flow into each other. Like a lot of times I think that chakras are considered like separate, like, oh, I'm going to open my heart chakra. And, and that's great. But they all kind of interrelate. So we start, you know, at the base, which is the root chakra, which is our place of, you know, earthly survival. And it, excuse me, represents the adrenal glands. So and this is like where we feel anxious, right? When we feel that our survival is at stake. So when we feel rooted in, in our foundation, feel rooted that our, our basic needs are met, then we rise up into the, the sacral chakra, which is our emotions, right? So when it's like that feeling of safety from the ground creates our, our ability to be free flowing because you can only really be able to flow if you feel stable, right? Like, I don't know if you've ever surfed, but it's like you flow when you're stable on the board. If you're not stable on the board, you flow off. So it's like that stability, that anchoring in the world is actually what allows us to flow. And then, you know, moving up into the, um, 
you know, personal power and then love. And then, you know, when we're loving, then we're able to speak our truth, which is the fifth chakra. And then, you know, going into um, the higher chakras, which are the connection to, to the universe, you know, um, our oneness. So all the way from the bottom to the top, but they, you know, and then, you know, firm in your personal power allows you to love because if you have an overactive heart chakra, but not a sense of personal will, then you have no sense of boundaries, right? So you have to have those boundaries to be able, like a container to be able to love so that you're not like walked all over. So I don't know. I hope that makes sense. I'm actually learning more about it right now. I'm reading a book. I'm not like a chakra expert or anything. I just kind of been like learning about it a little bit. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I love when you said that it's uh, crucial to have healthy boundaries so that we are not kind of walked over. And that connects mm -hmm. to our heart chakra, right? Yeah, because the boundaries are in the are in the navel chakra, the third chakra. And then so we we have that like personal power. And then because when we love, right, we're not coming from a sense of like, love me, love me like that. That's the toxic kind of love. But when we're like firm in who we are and able to express our emotions, that creates space to like have that firm power of personal will. Like we know who we are and, and we have those boundaries and we have, we have like rules for love, right? Like, I know that sounds bad, like unconditional love, but we have rules for love. Like, you know, no verbal or physical abuse, you know, no, we, we support each other. And that's what comes from that place of personal will. And then rising up into the heart chakra then like once we're feeling safe in the world and able to express our emotions and have those boundaries, then that is like the foundation for love. Then we can love unconditionally because we feel safe, like we're protecting ourselves with that sense of personal power, you know, because you can't just love. I mean, you can't love. I mean, you know, I feel like in so many ways, a lot, so much of the spiritual world is so like ungrounded right and like oh just love unconditionally and let people like backstab you it's okay just love them turn the other cheek and like yeah you can live like that but for me maybe that is comes from the inner fierceness it's like well you have to like organize that in a way like Callie right is like a goddess of love I think that's who she is but it can be like tough love too because love is not only creation but love is also like destruction like that is the duality so like having that that strong basis for your love and to make sure that it it nurtures and heals and supports to become the higher self then um then that is where the boundaries come in yeah so how would you um help someone that has boundaries but doesn't really know how to um, to sort of say, okay, this is not okay, this is not acceptable for me, mm -hmm. and, and sort of um, stand up for that. Like, how can somebody, like, stand up for themselves when they're not, when they don't really feel able to? Yeah, when they feel like uh, one of their boundaries has been um, overstepped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's really hard, you know, because we can't control other people's behavior, but we also have to speak our truth and kind of say like what we will and won't accept. 
And so I really think it's important to have like honest, authentic, vulnerable conversations. Like this is how this makes me feel. And, um, I don't really enjoy being treated this way. And here's like what I would like to have happen. It's kind of a conversation. And, um, you know, if it continues, then, you know, cut the person out of your life. Like, I feel like people are, you know, I mean, I'm, I don't know, maybe really quick to cut people out, but it's like, I don't really have the, I don't choose to spend my energy. Like, like you teach people how to treat you. Right. And if someone loves you, then they're going to want to treat you in such a way. And there's like small things, you know, of course that, um, that don't, you know, whatever you pick and choose your battles, right? Like, does this really bother me? Or, you know, like how serious is this? But I just think it's really important. And then from a physical perspective, you know, build up your core strength, build up your body, like strong body, strong mind, right? Like we have to consider these things like all in together or look in your own life. Like where are, where are you violating your own boundaries? Where are you not respecting your own boundaries? How are you, how are you falling short on your own self-love? Because a lot of times when we start to treat ourselves in a better way, then it's a lot easier to, to, um, we just, the world then just changes in response to us, right? Because the world is responding to, to how we, we are within ourselves, like energetically and just from how we interact with the world. So a lot of times when you look within first and say like, how am I creating this situation? How am I contributing to this? Then we can, um, you know, then the situation begins to shift and you don't even really need to think about it so much because it's just natural. Like if then if someone treats you in a way that like you don't want to be treated, then it's like, I don't really like being treated like that. It really hurts my feelings when you do that. You know, can we, can we find a better way? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as you said, the universe really mirror, mirrors what is going on within you. So for example, um, in the past couple of months, I've really learned and embraced this concept of opening my heart and sharing more with others from a place of, heart-to-heart connection and I see that people are opening up so much more to me even my clients for example um, they, they have no problem crying with me or sharing their deepest fears and it's something that didn't happen before I didn't have the deep 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 connection with people and now I can see how the world is opening up just because I allow myself to be open and it's it feels like magic that's so beautiful what a wonderful experience yeah so going back to the connection with chakras and emotions how are the two connected um so i mean so each chakra okay so like the first chakra is more like it's basically like, like you were saying before, like how you relate to the world. And then, cause I really believe that emotions are like signs from the soul about how the ego is interacting in the world. I don't feel that like emotions are the soul. I feel like the soul is like bigger than that. Like the soul is like peace, although the soul has injuries too, but I feel like the soul is much more like the higher self and then emotions are responses to how the ego is interacting in the world. So as far as chakras, like 
<clears throat> so like anxious. So if you feel, so then if you feel disconnected from the world, if you're scared about your survival for some reason, then you'll feel anxious, right? So then you can do things that strengthen the first chakra. You can go grounding, which is like basically walking barefoot outside, or you can lay on the floor. I'm like obsessed with laying on the floor right now. It is like the most relaxing thing ever just to like, it's like grounding, right? Like electricity, like has wires to like ground it. So to disperse the charge. Right. And that's basically what we're doing when we're lying on the floor. Like we just let all of our jittery, crazy, like planning energy, like into the earth where it can be transformed into something else. So we can recognize that anxiety and then instead of like judging ourselves for it or freaking out or like, oh, how do I like change my whole life so I can't feel, so I don't have to feel less anxious. You just like recognize it and work with it. Like, oh, I'm feeling afraid because that's all emotional pain is. It's a call for love, right? So if we just respond to that and then work with our physical body to like heal that. So then the second chakra is emotions. So that's like basically all emotions, like because emotions are energy, like emotion and um, energy in motion. So uh, the second chakra is more just about like how we relate to all of our emotions, like if we let ourselves feel them. And so like when we allow them to flow through us, then they move, right? They're not stuck because stuck, when we're stuck in emotion, that's like when we get depressed or like crazy anxious or panic attack or like whatever. It's like we're repressing or trying to control or block this energy. And then, um, so anger, um, comes up with the, so anger is a sign that your, that your boundaries have been breached. So anger is related to like the third chakra. So I kind of mentioned before, like, if you are feeling angry, like do like core work, really bolster up your boundaries, like from, from the body, cause strong body, strong mind, and like able to enact that. And so anger is a wonderful tool. Like, Oh, I'm feeling victimized. I'm giving my power away. Not like, Oh, you made me angry, but like, Oh, how, like, how have I participated in giving my power away? Like that's what anger is. Right. And then love, of course, we all love love, but then also sadness and sadness is like, so now we're in the heart chakra. So sadness is like a release, right? Like I just finished a huge launch. It was massively successful. I was so excited. And then I felt so sad and I'm like, why am I feeling sad? And I'm like, oh, it's that like release. It's the ebb and flow, right? You have a high and then you have a low and like, that's okay. Sadness is like a river that takes us from like one place in our lives to another. So just like chill. It's a time to like relax, reconnect with yourself, get revved up for your next chapter. It's not like the end of the world. It's just like a little sadness. Right. And then, um, so like the throat is like comparison, like, cause the throat is all about speaking your truth. So if you're like comparing yourself to another person, you're literally like, and comparison is not really an emotion, but whatever, let's just go with it. So comparison is like, you know, you're literally, um, giving your life force energy to like another person, like obsessing over what they have. And then when you do that, you have no energy left to like speak your truth and create your life. Um, so those are the basic, like most common emotions probably that we all experience. And then, oh, guilt, guilt is like second chakra because it's very closely related to like sex and all of the forbidden, you know, like, so I really feel like it's important, uh, especially as a woman to like move your hips in circles and like move. And if you feel funny doing it, just like 
um, you know, do all of the like yoga poses that make you feel so funny, like goddess pose and frog pose, like open up those hips and be like, Hey world, like here I am, you know, because like the feminine movement has been so like, we feel like it's wrong to like, like as women, like we feel like it's wrong to like, you know, sit with our legs open. Like we're always crossing our legs, like our evil sexuality that is here to like, you know, we have all of these messed up ideas that we don't think we have anymore because we're so enlightened. But, um, you know, a lot of us still have this like holding over stuff. So that's guilt, right? So really embracing like your sexuality to, um, to transcend guilt. And guilt is also very linked with the first chakra because if we feel like we don't have the right to exist, which is very much the first chakra, like feeling like you have the right to exist or feeling like you are able to attract like your basic needs being met. Um, Like, you know, a lot of people are always afraid of like running out of money, even though they've never run out of money. It's just this like really deep fear. Then you'll feel guilty. You'll feel guilty for receiving things that you don't think that you deserve. And so that is very much like second chakra too. Now that's a fantastic explanation. What is the name of the book that you mentioned before? Um, Wheels of Life. Yeah, it's by Anna Dea Judith. And then there's some other really great books too. There's, um, I can get you a list of some of the books that I've read that have like information about the chakras. That's great. So we can put it down below. Um, yeah. I know that you, in your fantastic course, The Big Shift, you talk about yoga a lot. You use yoga as a tool to strengthen yourself, right? Mm-hmm. How has that practice impacted your life? Oh, oh my God, it changed everything for me. <laughs> um, well, so the big shift is modeled off of a 40-day yoga practice. So it's basically it's like kundalini yoga, although the course is the option for hatha yoga too. And you do the same practice every day for 40 days. And it's so powerful. So how it impacted my life is that, um, you know, uh, three years ago, maybe I was feeling very stuck in like my identity and how my life hadn't turned out the way that I wanted to. And I was very sad and frustrated and felt deeply stuck and abandoned by the universe. And so finally I got, I just, my, I decided to listen to my intuition, which told me that if you just accept where you are, then everything will change. And it was so hard for me to do that because the ego is like, no, fight, fight, fight. Right. But I, I accepted and I was guided to this 40 day yoga practice. Um, and so how I did it was I just, practiced yoga for 40 days I found like this uh sequence that that was recommended for 40 like okay because when you're doing a 40-day practice you have to be careful that it's not like too strenuous on any specific like muscle or whatever because if you're going to be doing it every day then you don't want to like you know you can't have days off for like muscle recovery or whatever so you have to be kind of careful about that so the teacher had specifically said like this is okay for a 40-day practice so I did that and then I read the power of now and I meditated every day and like engaged in like like self-discovery journaling is like my thing like that's what and that's like what all of my courses are too like really teaching people like how to do their own like self-inquiry which is also yoga but so um and it just transformed me it was it clear, it was like a reset button for life. It, um, 
so I'd always like quit everything and, um, you know, uh, I had all this stuck stagnant energy because all that, the repressed emotion, all the emotions that I hadn't processed, it's like clogging our energetic body. Right. So I had to like clear all of that. So it was a process of using this meditation technique that I was kind of guided to the feeling awareness meditation, which is just a process of like feeling and healing your emotions. And it was like just the resistance of like doing the same yoga practice every day because resistance is like the cause of our unhappiness, right? Or resisting our current circumstances, wishing they were something else. So when you can sit with resistance on something less powerful, like, okay, I'll do yoga for 40 days and I'm going to resist it, but I'm going to do it anyway. You're like retraining yourself, like how to respond to resistance that like you can feel that resistance, feel that feeling of like, oh my God, I don't want to do this again and then do it anyway and everyone is so always so scared like oh I'm not gonna finish I never finish anything blah 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 and it's like that's why you're here because you're giving yourself this opportunity to like hear those voices and then choose what is actually in your best interest which is just to keep going and recognize those voices of like I can't do this this is stupid it's not gonna work happiness isn't for me and then like honor those voices as just random thoughts that you don't have to believe and then commit to the practice and do it anyway. Mm, wow. <laughs> and when you say resistance, um, this word came into my mind, which is control. I think mm -hmm. that when we're resisting something, in a way we're trying to control something. Um, how do you think that the two play together? Yeah, that's a great way of thinking about it because it's like, yeah, we're trying to control it. Well, because the way my kind of intuitive fit with my own resistance was like I was really hoping that the universe would like take pity on me and change my life for me. <laughs> and it, it is. It's like control. It's like we're trying to emotionally manipulate the universe into giving us what we want. <laughs> I mean, so, but what really changed my life was like, oh, the universe isn't punishing me. The universe put me here so that I could heal, right? Because that was exactly what I needed. Like that was, I mean, that if I hadn't lived in Arizona where, where I was living, which is just a state in the United States, if people don't know, but where I was living, I hated it so much and I was resisting it. But that place was like an immense cocoon that helped me guide me to work that feels like a life purpose. That That's the whole reason I started my blog and my spiritual journey because there weren't really many job opportunities out there for me. Like, so, I mean, it's like the met, the however big like our current burden is, that's like the, that's, you know, equal to the amount of blessing that's in the situation. And I'm, you know, never ended up liking that place, but like the transformation that I o allowed myself to have there, because we have to allow ourselves the transformation, right? We have to like convince our ego, not even convince our ego, but just stop listening to our ego long enough to be like, oh my God, there's such great wisdom here. If I can only accept where I am and accept that my life isn't how I want to be, but maybe in that acceptance, like something much bigger will come into existence. Yeah. Yeah. How often do we, do we think let the circumstances rule our life dominate our life as you were saying you were living in a place that you didn't like but the moment you opened up a little bit more you started to attract these internal shifts and that's where the magic is that's what what a miracle is 
Yeah, totally. And from what you were saying before and control, it's like we have this idea of how our lives is and what our lives should be. And we try and control our life into that. But it's like that such like a limited um, view because we don't really know. Like, I feel like what's possible for our lives is so much bigger than like what, especially when you're living in that space of like sadness or whatever, and you don't really feel like you hope that there's something great out there for you, but you're really not sure. Um, it's like, you're like afraid cause you're like, oh my God, I don't really believe that something could out there could be better for me. And so it's all like fear. But, but then if you just like release that control, then you can open yourself up to the reality that's trying to make its way to you. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. How would you define, um, vulnerability in three words? Oh, um, authentic real and soft yes I love them I love how everybody I ask this question at the end of my podcast to all my guests and you all say different things but at the end of the day there's always this core message that is the same of authenticity of being real, being soft, allowing, being open, and thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I think it's beautiful authenticity. You know, I really feel like the world needs more of it, and the more of us that are living authentically, the more we give others permission to do the same. And I think that is ultimately how we help heal and love each other. Absolutely. Um, is there anything you're working on that? on at the moment that you want to share with our audience I'm working on so many new um courses I'm going to do a self-love course I'm probably going to do a chakra course um right now if people are interested I have the big shift which runs once a year I also have a whole entire course just on emotions it's like super deep and um transformative and we just go into like excruciating detail of all the emotions and how to learn from them instead of like judge them and hate them. And then I also have like just a meditation course, which is more the meditation. It's just about showing up for yourself and learning how to honor yourself in that space of quiet stillness. So great. And are they all currently open or do they open once a year, twice a year? The meditation course, um, it runs live once a year, but it's open for enrollment all year. So someone could like go and sign up today. Oh, and I also have a journaling course. I have like, I last year, I, this is only like my second year creating courses last year. I was just like a machine and I had like all this stuff within me and I was like, I have to get it out. So I have a journaling course too, which is, that's like my most basic and that's available all the time too. And it's just 30 days of journaling prompts with like inspirational messages. So those are the two, the meditation course and the journaling course that people can sign up for whenever they want. And then the other two courses, they like run at um, specific times during the year. Beautiful, beautiful. What is the best way for our audience to connect with you? 
Um, they can go to SuzanneHine.com. And I also, on my website, have a free guided meditation. It's the Feeling Awareness Meditation. And it's a very powerful technique for healing and processing the emotions within you so that you can begin to clear the energy body and feel more joy. Um, so it's the meditation technique that changed my life and um, helped me heal a lifetime of just sadness and, and repressed emotion. So um, yeah, if people want to go check out that free meditation, Meditation, definitely head to my website and you can have it in your inbox <laughs> I do have that meditation and I absolutely oh, adore it <laughs> yes oh that's awesome I'm so glad that you liked it yes 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 and it's a short meditation it's like 10 minutes so I invite everyone to sign up for it because it's great Thank you for that. Yeah. And you can learn the technique and then do it yourself, which I really recommend because I feel like the most powerful meditation experiences are when you really like, like throw away the training wheels of the guide and then like go in on yourself and trust yourself enough to do that. So that's really what I recommend to people. But thank you for your kind words. I appreciate that. Aww. So thank you so much, Suzanne, for being here. It was such a pleasure. I learned so much. I took four or five pages of notes that I can't wait to share with, uh, with the world. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure to be here. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it and if you want to listen to more of them, why don't you subscribe on iTunes or visit www.melissapanero.com sending you deep felt love